know a little bit about the Bible to understand, <clears throat> excuse me, that's why God put their stories in there, correct? Uh, that God wants us to learn from them and to learn both from their successes and from their failures. Now, I want you to notice tonight, we looked two weeks ago, before we had Southland in here last week, we skipped a week, but two weeks ago we looked at chapter 12, and Abraham is now following uh, this path that God has laid out for him. Uh, we looked in chapter 12, verse number 1, where God just called him and says, I'm going to show you where I want you to go. We looked in the New Testament, a couple of passages of Scripture where the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And so those first steps that Abraham took in the will of God for his life began with belief. He just believed God. And oh, can I tell you tonight, that's really where our journey begins, isn't it? Uh, sooner or later, you got to decide whether you just believe it or not. Uh, you don't have to decide whether or not you understand all of it. But the question is, do I believe God? And I'm thankful tonight to be able to say that we don't have to figure it out. We just have to trust it, right? Well, then we saw the Bible says that Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness and that he went out not knowing. And so his belief was reinforced by the fact he was willing. So we had belief and then willingness. Could I encourage you tonight, you need to decide what you believe because what you believe is going to determine how willing you are. Oftentimes, we're not willing as we should be because we don't believe like we should believe. Amen? So he believed God. It was counted to righteousness. He went out not knowing. He was willing because he believed because God had promised him this land in verse 1. He said, unto a land that I will show thee. So the outcome he was working toward was decided by his belief and willingness. We looked at that two weeks ago. I'll not get into it again here tonight. Now, what we need to see tonight is really a beautiful, beautiful picture. Uh, I'm not going to rush through this, and I pray that God will help you see in this passage what he would have us to see because the picture is amazing. It's really a must-see stop along the journey to the road of readiness. Uh, I know I like to travel. I know a lot of you like to travel, and a lot of you have already been a lot of places in your life, and uh, anytime I'm going to a new place, I will ask some of you, hey, tell me about, uh, you know, what to see on the way there. Uh, I was going to Savannah, Georgia a few, uh, a year or so ago, and uh, some of you have already been there, and you told us what we needed to see. I remember one of the restaurants was the Pirate House. Uh, Mr. Reen Wilson used to live right around the corner from that in Savannah, Georgia. He said, you have to go to the Pirate House. Uh, it was the house that was based on uh, Treasure Island, wasn't it, Miley? Was it Treasure Island? That's the house that it was based upon, and we had lunch there. And there's always must-see places. You ever go up to Colorado? I've been up there a few times. Some of you have been there. Said, you got to go by the Garden of the Gods there uh, around Colorado Springs. Just the beautiful rock formations that are there. There's always must-see places on the journey to get where somewhere you're going. You like to see sights along the way. Such is the case with Abraham. As we follow Abraham on the road to where God is going to use him for all that God desires for him, there are some places along the way that we need to see. Now, why is this important? Well, tonight, if you're anything like me and you look at the entirety of the Christian life, it gets a little discouraging at times thinking of all that we have to do and all that we're called to be. Could we agree with that? That when you think about what God wants you to do and what God's called you to be and how God's called you to be equipped, I mean, they're on our cards for ready this year. We just have a small sampling of things that God has called us to be and God's called us to do. And we look at that list and we're thinking, there's no way on earth I'm ever going to be able to do that. But what if we broke it down to one step at a time? 
What if rather than looking at the entirety of God's will, we broke it down to one stop at a time? It's kind of like they say about eating an elephant. I've never eaten an elephant. I wouldn't mind trying. Can you imagine the T-bones on an elephant? I mean, the filet would have to be about that big around. I mean, look, I'm a meat eater. I love eating meat. My wife says, what do you want to eat this week? I says, anything with meat in it. You know, even spam will do. You know, if you don't have any meat, spam will work. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. And tonight, we're going to look at Abraham, and next week, we're going to look at Abraham. We're going to break down the will of God and the journey on this road to readiness one stop at a time. And tonight, I have to tell you, there's no way I can do this justice at this first stop on his journey. I've been studying this stop for several weeks, and there's no way to fit it into one message, but we're going to try to give you a basic outline tonight of this first stop on the road to readiness tonight as we follow behind Abraham. So watch, if you will, chapter 12, look down to verse number 6. The Bible says, and Abram passed through the land unto the place, watch closely, the Bible says, Sikkim. All right, now so, some of you are thinking already tonight, you're thinking, that's what I tell my dog when the preacher comes in the yard. No. This place is called Sikkim, also known, and you read in the Word of God, it was called Shechem. Now it's easy when we read the Word of God to read names and places and the begats, and what do we want to do? We want to skip over them, don't we? Uh, my wife listens to the Bible every morning. She reads to the Bible. She listens to the Bible. And so in the morning when she's getting ready, she listens to it. And I've heard her uh, speed up the begats. I'm telling on you tonight. I'm going to get in so much trouble when I get home tonight. When she gets to the begats, you can speed up the talking. Because well, a lot of times we think about those places and names. These are inconsequential, right? We're reading names. We're reading places. They're just random names. They're inconsequential. But could I remind you of something tonight? Every name and every place in this book is part of the inspired, inerrant word of God. That every word in here, even the names and even the places, they have meaning and they're not inconsequential. Why? Well, as I studied that out, I wondered why did he stop there first? Do you ever wonder why? All right? I mean, I know as we get older, we get smarter and we know everything, and we quit asking why. I hope I never get that old where I quit asking why about some things, because that's how you learn, that's how you grow. But why did God put this stop in verse number 6? Why did he stop there first? Why was it at that place that he built an altar first? Why did God put that in his word, and why did God want me to know it? Well, believe it or not, this is a very, very important place. And he needs you to hear this out tonight. If you'll open your heart, God's going to show you something. Uh, and there's good news for those of us who might need pictures. I'll show you some pictures in a minute, okay? This is not one of those stories that doesn't have pictures. So pay attention. I'll show it to you in a minute. This wasn't just a place to stop, verse number 6. This was a place of significance. Why? Watch close. Look at verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. This is the first time that Abraham got to see the land that God was going to give them. All right, now what happened in verse 1? In verse 1, God says, I will show you. I'm going to show you. Now God says here in verse 6 and verse 7, this is the land that I am going to offer you. This is the opportunity that I have placed before you. This is important tonight. Now watch close. On the road to readiness, 
in Abraham's road to readiness, Shechem was this first place, number one, it was a place of opportunity. Stick with me tonight, all right? I'm praying that God's going to show you and help you see the beautiful picture he's painting for us. Number one tonight, on the road to readiness, our first stop needs to be the place of opportunity. Now you say, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to explain it to you. Consider this fact that up until now, God had told Abraham, this is where I'm going to take you. And Abraham has followed God simply by what? Faith. Simply by faith. God says, get up. God says, go. And I'm going to show you a place. And now here we are, verse 6 and 7 says, this is the land. This is the opportunity that I've been telling you about. Now, why is that so important for us today? Well, first let me just throw this in for a freebie. Verse number 1, he had to follow by faith before he ever saw it with his eyes. Could I just say, oftentimes in your walk with God and the road to readiness for your life, you're going to have to take the first few steps of faith before you ever see it with your eyes? That's what faith is all about, isn't it? The things that are not seen. So Abraham gets up, he goes, and now finally he's getting to see this. Now, what is he getting to see? He's getting to see the opportunity that's before him. This is vital. Stick with me tonight. Think about all the names of God that you know of tonight. I, I thought about just right off the top of my head. He's called the I Am, right? Uh, Abraham would learn about him a little bit better up on Mount Moriah. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. All the names, I mean Alpha and Omega, we know God by a, many different names, correct? But can I give you another one tonight? All right, can I give you what something we as his children should know him as? The God of opportunity. The God that I serve and the God that you serve, if it's the same God tonight, is truly a God of opportunity. And that when God comes to us, whether through his word or through his spirit, and God speaks to us, regardless of what he's speaking to you about, can I tell you what he's giving you? Opportunity. Think about it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but and this next four letter word is important have have do you know what jesus was jesus was our opportunity god says i'm going to send my only begotten son to die for you so that you could have an opportunity john 10 10 i'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, God's the God of opportunity. Now tonight, if you're going to get on this road to readiness, do you know where you've got to start at? You've got to go to your Shechem. You've got to realize that readiness is nothing less than an opportunity. That when we look at our little card that we've printed up, it's a simple reminder of all the opportunities that God's given us, that these are not obligations. Religion makes holiness an obligation. Religion makes separation an obligation. Religion makes reading your Bible and praying an obligation. But can I tell you, truthfully tonight, it's not an obligation, it's an opportunity. Do you know that holiness and righteousness and separation before we got saved was impossible? And now because of Jesus Christ, I can come out from among them and be separate. Why? Because Jesus gave me that opportunity. I don't have to be in the miry clay. I don't have to be in the mud. I don't have to be caught up in that anymore. I get to come clean. Amen? 
you look at our little card tonight, we can go all the way down this thing. We look at here, sanctification's on there. Prayer. Man, I got to get up in the morning and pray. Man, if I don't get up in the morning and pray, you know, I'm not going to be able to check my box this week. Oh, no. Do you know that when we were lost, we were separated from God? God had no obligation to listen to us. But yet he did. We called out to him for salvation, and we trusted in Christ and what he did on the cross. I get to talk to God. That's an opportunity. You think about this, if somebody said, look, the president is opening up the phone lines, and now look, we're not going to go political, okay, so no wisecracks. The president's opening up the phone lines and is going to allow any American who wants to to call in and talk to him. Now, what you say is between you and your conscience and the Lord, okay? But you're like, I get to talk to the president? Yeah, right now. I'll give you the phone number. Look, some of you are like, oh, yeah, especially after that speech last night. Where are you going to get the money from, you know? You would think that was an opportunity, even if you didn't like the president. And yet we have an opportunity to talk to Almighty God. That's not an obligation. That's an opportunity. Now, here's what you've got to understand tonight, okay? We are who we are today if we're saved, all because we enjoy the privileges of an opportunity that God placed before us. When the Holy Spirit of God knocked on your heart's door, he wasn't there to condemn you, John 3, 16 and 17. Go read it. He was there to offer you the opportunity, not simply of a lifetime, but the opportunity of an eternity, that we could be saved. Now, you say, what are you getting at tonight? Well, think about this. When Jesus called the disciples in Matthew 4, what was he doing? Was he calling them to poverty? Oh, we've got to give up our family business, give up our dreams of owning our own boat. Give up. No, no, no. He wasn't calling them to an obligation. He was calling them to an opportunity. They were going to get to see the dead raised to life. They were going to get to see people walk on water and the lame healed and the blind healed. Oh, what an opportunity he was calling them to. The woman at the well, when Jesus must needs go through Samaria, we'll come back to that in a minute. Why did he go there? To condemn her? Push her in the well? No. He went out of his way, all the way to the well, Jacob's well. Why? Opportunity. Why did Jesus stop under Zacchaeus' tree? Because he knew there was a heathen up there, and oh, he was fixing to torch him. No. He stopped under the tree to offer him an opportunity. And their lives were forever changed by what? By God's opportunity. I'm going somewhere with this, so stick with me. That is how you must view every part of the will of God. Opportunity. Opportunity. You see, when we look at our little cards this year that are helping us just kind of keep a track of being ready, these are all opportunities that God has given us to be a part of his will, not obligations to check off a box on our religious calendar. Now tonight, I believe that every one of us this year, and let this sink in, you're going to view God's will as one or two things. You're going to view God's will as an obligation or an opportunity. You're going to look at it, it's going to be something you have to do or something you get to do. Now, why is this so important? Because as Abraham looked out over this land that God told him could be his, I don't think he saw an obligation. I don't think that Abraham will look over there and says, oh, all this land? You want to give me all this land? You're going to give my children and my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, what did he say? Verse 7, unto thy seed will I give. You want all of these blessings for my children? Oh, 
but isn't that how we read our Bible? Oh, coming out from among them, oh man, I got to do that. No, we get to do that. Now, why is this important? Here's what I want to drive home tonight. As we begin down this road to readiness, we've got to realize that everything that God deals with us about this year is nothing less than an opportunity. That's why Shechem was the first stop along the way. Abraham, I want you to see what I am offering you. And no matter what God offer, offers us, you know what it is? It's simply an opportunity. Number one tonight, down the road of readiness, we're following Abraham. What was his first stop? Well, verse 6, it was Shechem, the place of opportunity. I believe tonight one of the greatest deterrents to discipleship, without a doubt, hands down, is when we look at God as a God of obligations rather than a God of opportunities. I mean, how many lost people do you talk to and they want no part of your religion because your religion is really going to cramp their style, right? I can't get saved. I don't want to have to live like you. I'm not done living yet. Oh, you haven't begun to live until you come to know the Lord. Why? Because what God offers you is life, and life more abundantly, and what you think is life before you get saved is nothing compared to the life you get after you get saved. I had somebody in my office today, we are talking, I met them for the first time, we are talking about their conversion and how they got saved and how their life changed, and boy, there was joy there. It was amazing to hear the change that transpired in their life, and now they're really understanding what it means to live, and they were in my office today to ask how they could live more abundantly. Oh, that's wonderful. Why? Because they're realizing the Christian life is not a drudgery. The Christian life is nothing less than an opportunity. And that's what God had led Abraham to this place. Think about it this way. I made myself this note today, and I hope I can brand this upon my brain. When I look at the will of God for my life, I'm not looking at obligations required by my religion. These are not, the will of God is not obligations that are required by my religion. They're opportunities that I receive through my relationship. I got married. I don't have to bring my wife flowers. Some of you guys are already panicking. I can look at your face and tell Valentine's coming. What do I do? Google, man. Google, all right? That'll help you out. Talk to a romantic. we got a few romantics here in the church. Talk to one of those. They'll help you out. And you're thinking, oh, i got to buy flowers for my wife. Number one, if you're thinking that way, you should have went to marriage retreat last week. <laughs> Something's bad wrong with you. Oh, i got to go find some chocolates for her. Hope Dollar General's not out of them. You better sign up for marriage retreat next year if you make it that far. Oh, no. I love doing things for my wife. She has to tell me, quit spending money. But I heard you say you wanted that. She has to be careful now. You know, she'll, I don't want that. I'll say, oh, oh, she says, well, I really like that. Put it on my list in my brain. It's going on the Christmas. I already have four things on this year's Christmas list. She's like, oh, dear. She's like, did I say I like spam? <laughs> you know, it's going on the list. If she said, it's not a drudgery to do things for her. Why? Because we have a relationship. I get to do things for her. It's the same way it is with God. The will of God, listen, it is not a drudgery. It's not a list that I received from my religion. No, these are opportunities that I get to take part in because of my relationship. So tonight, folks, as we go through this year, could we go ahead and get set in our minds that the will of God for our life is nothing less than opportunities. That should be your motivation. 
I want to do the will of God. Why? Because it's an opportunity God has provided. Now, I'm going to do some record keeping tonight or some record breaking, if you will. We're going to turn to several scriptures, but you've got to see this for yourself. John chapter 4, turn there with me real quick, okay? John chapter 4. I don't do a lot of flipping, but tonight uh, we need to do this to be able to see the message clearly, okay? John 4, our theme verse last year was right here in John chapter 4. I want you to look down to verse 4. John 4, 4. Watch this, okay? The Bible says, and he must needs go through Samaria, right? He must. Why? There was an opportunity there. There was an opportunity there. He was fixing to go give someone an opportunity. Uh, I love this. Look down to verse 10. Jesus says, red letters, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would, watch this, have given. He's going to give her an opportunity. Now here's the beautiful picture you've got to see. Look at verse 5. Where were they at? Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar the same place it's the same place the same place that the woman at the well got her opportunity is the same place that Abraham stands at this moment this crossroads of Christianity this place that Abraham is at is a place you will find all throughout scripture that God would bring his people After the battle of Ai was lost and won, Joshua would bring his people to this exact same spot. This is not an inconsequential place in Scripture. This is not a random place in Scripture. This is a specific place that God brought his people time and time again, this specific spot. Why? This was a place of opportunity for them. This was hers. This was Abraham's. I want you to know tonight, you're not going to make it very far down the road to readiness until you realize that whatever God leads you to this year is nothing less than an opportunity. If God draws you away for something, he's giving you an opportunity. If God draws you to something, he's giving you an opportunity. So number one tonight, by the way, the second point tonight is going to lock into this one. So stick with me if you don't mind. Number one, the place of opportunity. As we begin this journey, realize that what God is offering before us is nothing less than opportunity. But then watch this. There's something interesting about this place. Guys, can you put up map one right quick? I want to show you map, uh, the map one tonight. This is the modern-day city of Sychar, okay? This is the city where Jacob's well was at. This is the city where the woman at the well was saved. This is the place, the city, where Abraham came on the first stop in verse 6 and verse number 7. It's no coincidence that God brought him here. This place is hallowed ground in the lives of so many biblical characters, such as the woman at the well. It's no coincidence he's there. Now, if you'll notice, it's nicely settled right between two mountains, one on the right and one on the left. Those aren't just any old mountains. Beautiful picture our Lord's trying to paint here. These are the mountains of evil and Gerizim, the mountain of blessing and the mountain of cursing. You say, well, that sounds familiar. I'm glad it sounds familiar because it means you read your Bible. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. I want you to see something. Stick with me, okay? Don't fall asleep. I think God wants to show you something tonight. Show me map number two, guys, while we're turning there. 
there we have a little better picture. Deuteronomy chapter number 11, I want you to look down to verse number 26. Now watch, as God is giving his people a commandment that deals with their obedience. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, watch what the Bible says. He's speaking to the children of Israel. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. You look down to verse 29. It shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Stop right there. There's the mountains. God's going to bring his people here. Now, he's talking in Deuteronomy 26 about when they get to this place. They're not there yet. Joshua will ultimately take them to this place. But he's telling them, when you get the children of Israel to this place, this is not only a place of opportunity, number two, this is a place of decision. They're going to have to make a decision here. Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim were the mountains of blessing and the mountain of cursing. And he says, when you come to this place... This first stop on Abraham's road to readiness, he said, I want you to realize this is a place of decision. Now, folks, I want to tell you tonight, regardless of the opportunities God offers you, they remain opportunities until you make a decision. Now, let that sink in. The Bible tells us, 2 Peter 3, 9, that God's not willing, the Lord's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? So that means God offers us what? Opportunity. And by the way, he offers everybody. He's not willing that any should come to perish, uh, should perish but should, all should come to repentance. So any and all, that means God's an equal opportunity God, right? Everybody gets the opportunity to go to heaven. Can I ask you this? Does everybody go to heaven? I heard that all dogs go to heaven, but uh, I know all people don't. Why? It's not because they weren't given opportunity. It's because they didn't make the decision. Now, can I tell you tonight, all throughout this year, as we strive down the road to readiness, God's going to give you opportunities. God's going to give you opportunities to grow. God's going to give you opportunities to get right. God's going to give you opportunities to serve. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But you know it's going to make the difference. It's the place of decision. That when you stand between the two mountains, show us the picture again right quick. Guys, leave it up there for a few minutes if you don't mind. You're going to come to this place this year. You're going to come to Sychar. That's where Abraham was. He was at the place of decision. When you come to the will of God and you know what the will of God is and God provides you an opportunity, you still have to decide what you're going to do there. That's why Israel would have to decide blessing or curse. So Abraham's here, Genesis chapter 12. Abraham's there. God says, here's your opportunity. But this is not just a place of opportunity. It's a place of decision. Can I ask you tonight, Matthew 25, we have the parable of the ten virgins. Why did five get in and five didn't? Well, they were all given opportunity, weren't they? But they all didn't make the same decisions. I mentioned this Sunday morning. We can sit around our Sunday night like David looking at Obed-Edom and say, man, he's enjoying the blessings of God. Can I tell you why Obed-Edom enjoyed the blessings of God? He was given the opportunity and he made the decision. He says, okay, you're going to give me the opportunity to take the ark. He took the ark in his home, and God blessed his home. Now, oftentimes, we sit back, and we've been given the same opportunities to serve and to grow as anybody else. 
and yet we're not enjoying the benefits of that. Why? Because we never made the decision. I believe tonight there's so many of us missing out on the will of God for our life simply because we come to the place of the decision and we live in indecision. I promise you, you're going to get opportunities. The Word of God is full of what? Opportunities. I mean, my goodness, there are so many opportunities in here. You would spend ten lifetimes and not even cover the first, uh, the first few chapters of the New Testament. Why? Because God's given us the opportunity, but we miss out because we're missing on the decision end of the thing. Tonight, number one. Number one, the road to readiness begins with the place of opportunity. Realize that what God offers you is nothing less than that. It's an opportunity. Number two, this place of Sychar was not only that, but it was a place of decision. A place of decision. Turn with me to Joshua 24. I told you, we're going to break a record tonight how many times we turn. Joshua chapter 24, not far from where you're at. Joshua is now at this very same place. He's now at Shechem. He's now at Sychar, same place. He's come to the place of opportunity between the two mountains of decision, if you will. Joshua's about to die, and he's now carrying out what Deuteronomy was talking about. If you look down in Joshua 24, Joshua begins challenging them with the familiar passage that we have heard and preached on so many times. He brings them to this place, and he challenges them to what? To choose. He says, I want you to choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Now, here he is right there in Shechem. He's right there at the place of opportunity. He's right there at the place of decision. Isn't it amazing how God brings his people to this same place all the time? You know, that's what a church service is. The word of God is preached. You come to the place of opportunity. Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. You say, well, I didn't get anything out of the preacher. Hey, I understand that. But you can get a whole lot of the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to your heart. Do you know what he's doing? Opportunity. And then we have the invitation time. Do you know what that is? That's the place of decision. It's time to decide, okay, God, you've given me an opportunity. Uh, what, what should I do? Well, look at verse 15. Here's what Joshua told them. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Look, I can't stress this enough. The geography matters here. They're at the place of decision. The same place that Abraham would stand years before. The same place that the woman at the well would travel years later. Do you know when the woman at the well says, my fathers have worshipped at this mountain? Do you know what they were talking about? The mountain of blessing. Joshua would build the altar on Mount Ebal. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. She's talking about the very same place. She had to come to the place of opportunity and the place of decision. Joshua brought the people. There's a blessing and a curse. You're now at the place of decision. And can I tell you, Central Baptist Church, I believe so many of us tonight are at our Shechem. We know. We know the opportunity that God's given us. The Holy Spirit has already spoken to your heart. Or maybe you look down at this simple list we put together, and you know what the Word of God says, that God's providing us as far as opportunity. But now we're at the place of decision. And you have to choose you this day. I wonder tonight, I really do, how many of us have come to this place called Shechem, the first stop on the road to readiness. God says, Abraham, I've called you to do something great. Abraham, I'm going to use you and your family. But the first stop along your way is this little town called Shechem. 
It's a little town out in the middle of nowhere, but that place is a place of opportunity where you're going to see what I'm offering you. But that place is also mountains of decision, blessing or cursing. Now, when God told them in Deuteronomy 26, one mountain's a blessing, one mountain's a curse, do you know how they chose? Say, well, I won't sign me up for the mountain of blessing. I mean, if we passed around a sign-up sheet tonight, all right, got the mountain of blessing, the mountain of cursing, we're going to let you sign up. If, if you put your name on the mountain of cursing, you deserve it. I don't know anybody here tonight that wouldn't sign up for the mountain of blessing. I want, not only do I want the mountain of blessing, I want a mountain of blessings, amen? I mean, I want all God wants for me. That's what I would sign up for, but it's not that easy. You see, it's not just simply, I'm going to get it because I decided that I want it. No, he says, a blessing if you obey. You see, the decision had to be followed by direction. Because if your direction doesn't back up your decision, well, your decision is really what your direction was. You know, oftentimes we say, well, I've decided to follow Jesus. And we sing the song. Can I tell you what matters most? It's your direction. A blessing if you obey. A curse if you don't obey. Tonight, folks, if we want the opportunity, we've got to decide to go in the direction of that opportunity. That's why Joshua built the altar on Mount Ebal. I'll give you another one real quickly, okay? And I'm going to give you the last point, which is probably my favorite. Genesis chapter 35. Let me just read it for you. You can jot it down if you want, or <clears throat> you can turn there if you'd like. Genesis 35, 4. Jacob has been called to Bethel. Jacob's on his way there. As a matter of fact, let me just read it for you. Genesis chapter 35, I'm sorry. Genesis 35. You don't mind flipping around a little bit tonight, do you? Keep your fingers busy, keep you awake. Genesis 35, and God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. We'll talk about that next week. And dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau, thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Watch this, okay? And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in the hand and, and their earrings which were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Isn't it amazing how many times God brought his people by this place? Watch. And as Jacob heads to Bethel, on his way, he passed through a little town called Shechem. And they took all of the strange gods and the idols and the earrings that they had, and they buried them at that place called Shechem. You see, on their way to where God was calling them, they had to come to a decision. And they said, if we're going to go that way, we've got to bury them here came to a place of decision. They said, we can't go to God's house. Verse number one, Bethel, the house of God, to build an altar of God, we can't go there. And so they had to make a decision. Said, oh my goodness, if we're going to reach where God wants us to go, we've got to get rid of this here. Can I tell you tonight, this first stop on the road to readiness is vital. It's a place of opportunity. God says, Abraham, this is where I want to give you but you've got to decide, this place of decision between Mount Ebal and Gerizim, you've got to decide. It's kind of like, like my wife today, I got home, went home for lunch, and uh, she'd been there all day, and 
I went back to my bedroom to get something out of the bedroom, and my bed was moved. The, the, the dresser was moved. The nightstands were moved. Lamps were moved. I'm just thinking, what has happened in our house? And I said, you were busy while I was gone. She said, well, I've been thinking about doing it for a while and just decided that today was the day I was going to do it. I'm telling you, that woman's strong. King-size bed, dresser eight feet long and that tall, full of clothes and my junk, nightstands and lamps. She says, I've been wanting to do it. I just decided today was the day that I was going to do it. Do you know what happened today? She came to a place of decision. Today's the day. And she showed her decision in the actions that followed her decision. She made the move she needed to make. Can I tell you tonight? We need to come to, to, to Shechem, to Sychar, the place of decision, and decide, I've come to a place in my life, I'm just going to do it. That's what Jacob did when he buried all those idols there. I can't go down this road of readiness to where God's calling me if I don't get rid of some things along the way. So he made a stop by Shechem too, this place of opportunity, this place of decision. Now, the last thing I want to do is show you the best part, in my opinion. This first stop on Abraham's road to readiness, this place called Shechem or Sychar or Sikkim, has a lot of different names. Not only is it a place of opportunity, it's a place of decision. We've got to come here. But then I want to show you map number one again, guys. If you don't mind, put that first map back up there. <clears throat> the terrain of this area is actually going to give it its name, right? When you look up the name Shechem or Sychar or Sikkim, if you will, it means back and shoulder. All right, can we use our imagination just for a few minutes before we go home tonight? All right, it's kind of fun using it every once in a while. Can you see two shoulders? Shoulder on the right, shoulder on the left. In the middle, we have the back, back and shoulder. The name Sychar or Shechem literally means the back between the shoulders. It's that little space right there between those two mountains, the back between the shoulders, and the references of a donkey that when you would load a donkey down, you'd put a, a load upon his back, you would put it on the Shechem, if you will. You would put it on that space between the shoulders on the back, and that's where he would carry the load. Don't miss this tonight. That place has special meaning to God. That's why he brought so many of his people there first. Why? Number three. Not only was it a place of opportunity, not only was it a place of decision, number three, it was a place of burden. It was a place of burden. Now hear me out. Although the will of God is a priceless opportunity, can I tell you tonight, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. When God brought Abraham and Israel and Jacob and Joshua and his people to this place, he was bringing them to a place of opportunity and decision. But they had to also understand this was a place of burden because the will of God is not always easy. Matter of fact, the will of God is a lot of times not easy. I want you to think tonight, burdens of opportunity also come with burdens of responsibility. Burdens of opportunity come with burdens of responsibility. Now, hear me out before you laugh, okay? If you have children tonight, Great privilege, correct? Great opportunity. Man, what a privilege it is to have kids. And what an opportunity. If God's given you children, what a great opportunity. He's given you to raise up young people to the honor and glory of God. But would you also say that opportunity comes with a great responsibility? 
Could we also say as great of a responsibility as children, opportunity as children are, they're a great responsibility too. And that having that opportunity is not always easy. As a matter of fact, we could probably even say it's a burden. Amen? Now I want you to think about this. God places his will before us. Here's your opportunity. You've got to decide, but understand that the will of God carries with it a burden. Luke 9, what does he say? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. You're going to have to carry something. The will of God's not going to be easy. What God's calling to you is not going to be easy. I promise you, if ready was easy, every Christian would be ready. If being ready for the Lord to come back and being ready to be used by God was something that anybody could do, everybody would be doing it. But they're not. Why? Because it's hard. You know what Paul said? Paul put it this way, Galatians 6, 17. He says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What? I bear in my body, key word bear, the will of God was something to bear between the shoulders that what God's calling to me to be something is something that I'm going to have to carry. Now, I believe that's what's wrong with American Christianity today. We do not want a Christianity that leaves a mark. Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the cross. We want a faith that is not heavy, and we want a cross that doesn't leave a mark. We don't want it to change our life. We don't want it to change what we have planned. We don't want it to inconvenience the status quo. And I tell you, that's not the kind of Christianity we're called to. Crosses are going to leave a mark. Crosses, watch this. Do you know if you were to carry the kind of cross Jesus carried all the way up Mount Calvary, it would change the way you walked? I want you to think about the physical depiction of someone carrying a cross. It would change the way they walked. And your cross should change the way you walk too. It should be a burden that we carry between the shoulders. Can I tell you, raising a child and nurturing an admonition of the Lord in 2023, it's heavy. It'd be a whole lot easier to say, just forget this. I'm going to go the way I want to go. No, I can't go according to the will of God where he's calling me without bearing the burden of what he's called me to. It's, it's a weight that I carry. And I, boy, I tell you, I was watching the State of the Union address last night and don't want to get terribly political, but I just couldn't help but wonder last night how, how awesome of a country we're going to have in a few years. We're going to get all this free stuff. We're going to give this and give this and give this, and my goodness, we're, we're just, I'm just going to sit home and eat Twinkies and wait for the check to come in the mail. But I think all of us know better than that, somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to cut a check. And after a while, you're going to squeeze that lemon too much, and that's going to get tired of cutting that check, and they're going to move. You see, Christianity is the same way. We want a lot of the benefits, but we don't want any of the burden. And that's not what God's calling us to tonight. This first stop was a place of opportunity, it was a place of decision, and it was a place of burden. Luke 23, I'll give you this, and we're going to close. As Jesus carried his cross up the hill there, he would fall under the weight, and they would compel one. We know the story of Simon. The Bible says, and they led him away, Luke 23, 26. They laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. I can't pretend to imagine what it would have been like to watch Jesus 
his beaten and bruised body, attempting to carry that cross, fall under the weight of it, and to be standing there and to be the one who was compelled to carry that cross for Christ. Can we use our imaginations again and, and go to that place? And we think today as a child of God, if, if he were to have called me to be Simon, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. I'd gladly pick it up for him. I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have tried to get out. I would have gladly picked up that cross. I would have gladly carried it for Christ. Couldn't we all just say that's what we would at least want to, to have done? Pick me. Pick me. He can't. Hey, put it on my back between my shoulders. It's the least I can do for him for what he's about to do for me. The least that I could do. And yet we weren't there. But we are here. And there is a cross, and your name on it, mine on it. And there's no way I can become ready and make this journey down the road of readiness without stopping by Sychar, the place to realize God's offering me opportunity. But I've got to come to the place of decision between these two mountains to decide, okay, what am I going to do? And to realize that God led you to that place to begin with because that's the spot between the shoulders. To understand that when you walk away from here in the will of God, you walk away with the burden of the will of God for your life. I promise you the will of God is the most amazing thing you will ever partake of. I promise you. 27 years ago, I surrendered my life to Christ. And boy, I have not been a perfect Christian. I have not been a perfect preacher. I have messed up. You want to know my mistakes that you don't already know? I'd be glad to share them with you. But there's been nothing more fulfilling than this road of the will of God for my life. Nothing. Nothing. But it's also been a burden. But it's a burden that I'm glad to be able to carry. Because it's an opportunity. And it's a privilege to carry my cross, following in the footsteps of my Savior. Can I ask you this as we close? Have you made it past Sychar? took him there first, Sychar. Abraham, look at the opportunity. Here's what God says, look at the opportunity. I mean, my will for your life, opportunity. But Sychar was also a place of decision, blessing or cursing. What am I going to do? I know, I've got to decide. And then tonight, could it be that the reason we're not ready is because we know that in order to get ready, I have to bear the burden between my shoulders. I've got to take up my cross and carry it because if my Savior could carry that cross for me, then I can carry my cross for him. Tonight, the road of readiness, look, place of opportunity, place of decision, place of burden. We've got to go there first. And tonight, I believe the Holy Spirit of God and all of his wisdom has made it clear to all of us what our hang-up is at Shechem. What is it? Do you not see it as an op opportunity? Do you see it as an obligation? Is it the fact that you're just not willing to make the decision? As Elijah says, how long halt ye between two opinions? Hey, it's time to make up your mind. Either you're in, you're out, you're on, you're off. It's time to get on the road of the will of God for your life. Make the decision tonight. I know what God wants me to do. And I'm going to get about the will of God for my life. Walk over tonight spiritually and take up your cross. Place it on your sidecar. Right between your shoulders. And carry the cross 
so that when the Lord Jesus comes back, wouldn't it be wonderful for him to catch us carrying our cross? But you've got to make that decision. Heads are bowed tonight. Eyes are closed. Let's stand.